In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The family Bible story for this week is a catechism story on the sacrament of the altar using the crossing of the Red Sea. It's a long reading, Exodus 13, 17 through 14, 31, but it gives the full context of the children of Israel's crossing through the Red Sea, which in the New Testament is described as a type of holy baptism. So I want you to have the catechism in mind as you read through this. The first part of catechism under baptism says, what is baptism? Baptism is not just plain water, but it is the water included in God's command and combined with God's word. So when you hear the reading, think about those themes. It wasn't plain water, but it was that water which by God's command divided so that the children of Israel could cross through on dry ground. What benefits does baptism give? Catechism says it works forgiveness of sins, rescues from death and the devil, and gives eternal salvation to all who believe this as the words and promises of God declare. So here again, the children of Israel were saved through water according to the words and promises of God. How can water do such great things? The Catechism says certainly not just water, but the Word of God in and with the water does these things. Without the Word of God, the Red Sea does not part. Without the Word of God, there is no dry ground. Without the Word of God, there is no collapse of the water back upon the children of, uh, the, the, uh, children of Egypt, who are then Pharaoh's armies drowned there in the Red Sea. So all depends upon the Word, but that doesn't mean that the water wasn't important. So, as the Catechism would say, it's not just water, but it is the water included in God's command and combined with God's word. The word of God in and with the water does these amazing things. What role does faith play? It trusts the word of God in the water. Without God's word, the water is plain water and no baptism, but with the word of God, it is a baptism. That is a life-giving water, rich in grace and a washing of the new birth in the Holy Spirit. So the waters of the Red Sea were a life-giving water for the children of Israel by virtue of the word and promise of God. You can't ever say the water is unimportant because God joined his word and his promises to the water. Thanks be to God, it was salvation for the children of Israel and in holy baptism it becomes salvation for us because the content of our baptism is no one less than Jesus himself and we are joined to his death and resurrection. And just as the children of Israel became the children of Israel and contended with their sinful flesh, so do we. And that leads us into the final part of baptism, its daily significance. The small catechism says it indicates that the old Adam in us should by daily contrition and repentance be drowned and die with all sins and evil desires, and that a new man should daily emerge and arise to live before God in righteousness and purity forever. And so if you think about it, the children of Israel were redeemed from slavery by the blood of the Passover lamb, and they set out on their pilgrimage. At the Red Sea, when they're pursued by the Egyptians, they're terrified with fear, with unbelief, with impenitence and doubt of the Lord's promise of salvation. 
they needed to have that drowned and die within them so that the new man of faith might arise. And so you can see that kind of daily significance for the children of Israel uh, in the crossing of the Red Sea. Now I'll highlight some of these things as we go through the reading um, step by step, interrupting the reading uh, along the way. But first, we begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, we give thanks to you for the gift of holy baptism, whereby we are made disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ and given the gift of salvation. Teach us to believe that baptism is not just plain water, but that it is the water included in Jesus' command to baptize the nations and combined with God's word in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So Exodus chapter 13, beginning at verse 17. Children of Israel have left Egypt. The blood of the Passover lamb redeemed them from slavery. They're on their wilderness pilgrimage. It came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near, for God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. The way of the Philistines would have been along the southern coast of the Mediterranean Sea, which could have led them very quickly into the Promised Land. Instead, they would turn south by the Lord's direction, and they would be on the, it's hard to say which side, it would be the south side of the Gulf of Aqaba, which is that gulf of the Red Sea that they would cross over then into the land of Midian. Verse 18, so God led the people around by way of the wilderness of the Red Sea and the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him for he had placed the children of Israel under solemn oath saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from here with you. So they took their journey from Sukkoth and camped in Etham at the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. So as to go by day and night, he did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Pausing in the reading, that pillar of cloud and pillar of fire was the very presence of Yahweh, the God of their redemption, the God of the promise of salvation. So he is the one that led them out of Egypt through their wilderness crossing. He is the one who leads us as baptized children of God from the time of our baptism until we cross the Jordan River, so to speak, uh, when we die to await the resurrection. Now chapter 14. Now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they turn and camp before Pi-Haheroth between Migdal and the sea opposite Baal Zephon. You shall camp before it by the sea. Now Pi-Haheroth is the valley of the gorges. It would be on the, uh, again because of the turning of the earth. It's sort of like the north side of the Sinai Peninsula, which is part of Egypt. Uh, the Gulf of Suez is on the other side, what might be called the south side of that uh, peninsula. 
and then the north side of that Sinai Peninsula is the Gulf of Aqaba. That's the gulf that they would cross over as part of the Red Sea into the land of Midian where Mount Sinai was. People are confused by that because they think about the Sinai Peninsula must be where Mount Sinai is and it was often viewed as the traditional location but the problem with that is that there is no place to cross the Red Sea uh, if Mount Sinai is at the southern end of that tip but more importantly that's still Egyptian territory and there was a great army of the Egyptians stationed on that peninsula. So Mount Sinai is actually on the other side of the Gulf of Aqaba in the land of Midian. So you can see that if you look at a Bible map of that region. Verse 3, For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, They are bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them, and I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord, and they did so. So the Lord is going to vindicate his name, not only before the children of Israel, but also before his enemies, the Egyptians, and Pharaoh, who pursued the children of Israel. And they would learn to know that the Lord, Yahweh, he alone is God. Verse 5, Now it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. And they said, Why have we done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So you see the resuming of the hardness of heart and their impenitence. Verse 6, So he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. Also he took six hundred choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out with boldness. So the Egyptians pursued them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and overtook them camping by the sea beside Pi-Haharoth, before Baal-Zephon. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Now I want you to imagine the picture. They turned south instead of going into the Promised Land by way of the Philistines. They turned south into the Sinai Peninsula. And as such, they followed a dry riverbed that came through a great gorge with cliffs on either side to the beach. It's Nueva Beach is what it's called today, and it is on the Gulf of Aqaba. So they have water in front of them, cliffs on either side of them, and Pharaoh's pursuing Egyptian army behind them. No wonder they were afraid. Verse 11, Then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. So we have in verses 11 and 12 an expression of the old Adam, the unbelieving sinful nature in the children of Israel. 
They accused God and they accused Moses of having done them wrong. You also see how the natural inclination of the flesh is rather to stay in this world, to satisfy the desires and the appetites of the flesh. As they say, didn't we say, leave us alone? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness? Verse 13, And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Now, verses 13 and 14 contain the sweet gospel in this reading. They were filled with unbelief, fear, doubt, the accusations of their sinful flesh coming against the Lord. You've abandoned us. And here the Lord speaks to them in the teeth of their unbelief, his promise. He proclaims to them an absolution. He invites them by his promise to trust in him. This is very similar to what we have in the words of Abraham to Isaac at the time that he was called to sacrifice his son. Namely, my son, the Lord will provide for himself a lamb for the burnt offering. And so here, do not be afraid. That is a word of forgiveness. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. They didn't deserve it. They hadn't earned it and they could do nothing to contribute toward that salvation. They could only receive it as a gift in repentant faith. The Lord will fight for you. You can't fight for yourself. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. So this, verse 13 and 14, is the climax, really, of this reading, and it is the sweet gospel. It is what God does for us in Jesus, and that to which we are joined in the waters of holy baptism. Verse 15, And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward, but lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. So there is the word of promise attached to the water of the Red Sea, which by Moses lifting up his rod would then divide before them, and they would cross through on dry ground. Verse 17, And I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. So it would not be the children of Israel who would vindicate themselves or would vindicate the Lord. It would be the Lord who would vindicate them and who would vindicate his holy name as the Red Sea is parted and Pharaoh and his armies are drowned in the Red Sea. Verse 19. And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one, and it gave light by night to the other, so that the one did not come near the other all that night. 
Luther would talk about how baptism draws a line in the sand between us and Satan. And he draws a line in the sand. We now belong to the Lord. That makes us twice the enemy of the evil one. But he sets a hedge around us of protection. So here you have this illustrated in how the Lord stood between the children of Israel and their enemies, the Egyptians. So also the Lord stands between us and between Satan's sin and death through the promise that he made in our baptism whereby we were joined to Christ. Verse 21. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land and the waters were divided. Anytime you see wind in the Bible, think of the Holy Spirit. From the time that wind hovered over the face of the waters or the Spirit of God at creation to hear the wind or the Spirit of God driving back the waters so that they could cross on dry ground. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. Now it came to pass in the morning watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud. And he troubled the army of the Egyptians, and he took off their chariot wheels so that they drove them with difficulty. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians." So notice how when the Lord vindicates his people and when he vindicates his holy name, they, the Egyptians, are made to confess that the Lord, he alone, is God and he is doing these mighty things. We look forward to that day when Christ returns again in glory and every knee will bow and every tongue will be made to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Verse 26. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians, on their chariots and on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth, while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained, but the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on the left. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Verse 30, significant. The Lord saved Israel that day through water. The Lord saves us on the day of our baptism through water. The Lord's word was attached to the water of the Red Sea. It was real water and a real word, and it was real salvation from Pharaoh and the Egyptian armies for the children of Israel. So God's word is attached to the water of our baptism, and it's real water. And it brings to us the real blessings of Christ's redemption through his death and through his resurrection. See those parallels. The Apostle Peter says of Noah and the flood, eight people were saved through water. Corresponding to this, baptism now saves us. We can say the same thing here. 
as Paul would in 1 Corinthians 10, where he says that they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Baptism now saves us. Why? Because the content of baptism is Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, who by his death and resurrection has set us free from our enemies. So verse 31. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. And if one desired to, one could read the song of Moses. I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song and he has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. This is the word of the Lord. So I think you can see how the doubts, fears, unbelief of the children of Israel were turned into confident faith and a confession of the truth after they crossed through the Red Sea. So you can look at the baptism of the children of Israel in the Red Sea in two ways. It was salvation for them from Pharaoh's armies who pursued them. It also was salvation for them from their unbelief and doubt. So that as they're brought through the waters, what is reestablished in them is the gift of saving faith that confesses the name of the Lord. So also for us. We are saved from sin, death, and Satan's power through baptism. But we return to our baptism through daily contrition and repentance that by the promises of God's grace in baptism, through the absolution of the Lord, the new man might arise in us as it did in the children of Israel to live before God in righteousness and purity forever. So with that in mind, let us pray. Almighty God, we give thanks to you for our baptism into Christ, where we were buried with him through our baptism into his death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, we too may live a new life. As you drown the unbelief and the fears of the children of Israel when they pass through the waters of the Red Sea, do the same for us. Grant us this new life, O Lord, that we might live faithfully and joyously as your children in the blessed hope of everlasting life and that we might return to our baptism daily for the assurance of salvation and for the strength to live faithfully throughout our earthly pilgrimage. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.